0: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine, together again for another Locked On Bengals weekend mailbag. We're just a week away from players, coaches, being back in Paul Brown Stadium, getting ready for training camp to open up in the imminent future. I've got a second vaccine shot scheduled, James. My travel to Cincinnati in the imminent future, not for training camp, unfortunately. But beyond that, also on the cusp of becoming a reality. So a lot of exciting things going on. What's your exciting news to share for the day?
2: That yesterday I pulled out about 50 pounds of leaves, gook, and dirt out of my gutters. So the, the old owners of this house clearly maintained the, uh, the gutters, the downspouts and the, the water filtration system. So in a good spot.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the joys of moving into a new home and having immediate maintenance to do, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. That's why uh, my office is still not set up because that has been on the back burner on the list of priorities.
1: I don't understand. Can you just explain this to our listeners? You're saying that setting up your office so that you can have a nice serene place to record the Locked On Bengals podcast is somehow not your top priority in life. It was
2: not, unfortunately. So, wow. um, yeah, it's, yeah, I know it's hurting your feelings. Imagine the listeners right now. They're like, I can't believe you, James. The good news is, is we're pretty portable. We're pretty mobile. And, uh, much like we do during the season when I record with you from Paul Brown Stadium, we can uh, we can make this work in a variety of ways like we're doing.
1: I mean, I've been recording a podcast about the Cincinnati Bengals this whole time from the west coast of Canada. So anything is possible with technology, right? And that is uh, going to continue to be the case here. Let's dive in without further ado into this weekend's mailbag. James, starting from the top, we got many questions as always. If you're new to the show, you're listening for the first time, we do a mailbag once a week. In the offseason, it tends to be on the weekend. During the regular season, it tends to be on the day the players and coaches take off. So usually we record that episode on Tuesday. We'll see what happens this year. We're we're bringing in Mike at Bengals Sands. We've talked about this to do film review. That might end up being on Tuesday. So we'll figure out when the mailbag fits in in the future. But for now, it'll remain on the weekend. And the way it works is we put up a tweet at LockedOnBengals on Twitter. You reply to that tweet with your question. We go through the tweets and we try to answer as many of the good questions as we can. So today, let's get started with Dustin Croft at Dustin Croft on Twitter. James, Dustin would like to know if you had to choose, would you rather have a player that's solid at all areas of their game or elite at one particular skill? Depends on the position. And I think this this part really matters. Right. Because
2: if I'm talking about left tackle, you want him to be solid everywhere versus an elite pass protector, but an awful run blocker, I would say. Right. Or vice versa. At the same time, you know, Lamar Jackson, the reason he's been so great in the NFL is because he's the best athlete in the NFL. It's not because he has the best arm or because he's super strong or, you know, whatever the case is. He's just an amazing athlete, and he ha- he's not – his body doesn't get injured even though he takes some ugly hits. And, and I think that's a trait too, but – so that's an elite talent, I guess. So it, it depends on the position. Quarterback, sometimes elite trait can carry you, one elite trait or a couple elite traits – but uh, some of these other positions, I would just want well-rounded. For example, running back, give me a well-rounded guy over a guy who's really, really great at one thing, but can't be in on third downs. Uh,
1: does this mean that you're below average at other things if you're a lead at the one thing or you're like average-ish? I, <laughs> That's I assume problem. average, right? Yeah, well, then it, 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 you're right. I, I agree with you that it's position by position, but beyond that it gets really hard to delineate. So let's try to think of some examples, right? So Tyler Shelvin, let's let's talk Tyler Shelvin. Probably going to come in and be really good at controlling his his gap in run defense. Is probably going to be below average at pass rushing and and you know might not be making a ton of tackles. You know, he's not going to have sideline-to-sideline speed, obviously, but should be really good at controlling his gap in run defense. Would I rather have Tyler Shelvin or a guy who's very solid? So let's try to think of a very solid defensive tackle. Dexter Lawrence, with an assist from PFF here, seems to have a very balanced profile. For example, he's solid against the run. He contributes as a pass rusher, isn't great at any of those things, but for that position, I would definitely take Dexter Lawrence. He's a guy that can be on the field for you every down. He's not going to hurt you. At wide receiver, if you're saying I'm average at everything, but I have elite speed, and there's two sides of this, obviously, right? John Ross and and uh, Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill, very very different players that their calling card is elite speed versus a guy like say you know Tyler Boyd. I mean, you're taking Tyree Kill over Tyler Boyd, even though Tyler Boyd is probably better at a lot of things than Tyree Kill. The the game changing aspect of Tyree Kill's game would would I th- I would say most people would rather have Tyree Kill because he can do a lot of things and and his speed is a big differentiator. So, you know, there there's some problems with this hypothetical in general because it's not like it's just not how it works for the most part in the <laughs> NFL. I guess Carl Lawson could have been an example a couple years ago before he kind of stepped up as a run defender. Would you rather have Carl Lawson or say, you know, Carlos Dunlap, but Carlos Dunlap was also a good pass rusher. So it makes it hard at a lot of positions. I would say probably the very solid player, but there are some edge cases where the elite skill is enough to really carry you. Like you mentioned. Next question comes from T Bannister at T Bannister 808 on Twitter.
2: Based on what Tom Brady just did in Tampa, it's clear the quarterback can truly set the tone for a team. What do you think the culture or attitude Joe Joe Burrow is going to establish in Cincinnati?
1: I don't agree with the premise of this question. (laughs) I'm I'm not answering the question, I guess, with my initial reaction here, but I don't think that Brady you know went in and set the tone for Tampa I think he was part of a collection of pieces and maybe was a missing piece for Tampa they also added a number of effective free agent signings they got really good play out of some rookies and Tom Brady was kind of the good quarterback that pushed them over the hump but there were times when this team looked very invincible last year with Tom Brady at the helm and I'm sure that the culture is definitely part of it and holding Players to account. And that is something that matters. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. And I think that Joe Burrow can do something similar if he extends the stories we heard about him at LSU, like holding teammates accountable for being a practice on time and doing their jobs the way they should be doing their jobs. But it it isn't so simple, right? And and Tampa had a great team. That's a great roster. And Tom Brady was just kind of the glue that was able to take this great roster and coalesce it into a championship team.
2: Well, I I think part of it in this go, see it again, it's not as simple as you say, much like the first question, Rob Gronkowski never goes to Tampa Bay. If Brady isn't there, right? Antonio Brown, probably Leonard Fournette. And so that's the draw for a lot of those guys. But yeah, to your point, It wasn't like just Brady showed up. They didn't make any other roster upgrades like Antoine Winfield Jr. Huge difference maker in the secondary for them last year. And I think he's going to be really, really good for a long time. At the same time, I think that quarterbacks can establish something like Tampa was like you're you're you were saying they they weren't starting from nothing. Well, the Bengals have won six games in two years. Right. And so. They kind of are. So what? what is Burrow doing? I think Burrow's kind of doing, and it's not Brady, it's kind of what Peyton Manning was trying to do in Indianapolis in 98 and 99, when you really try to establish something. And I think quarterbacks can make a difference there. Now, you know, getting a good team to great, that step is actually going to be much harder than the Bengals, their journey and their path from bad to average or good. And And so that's the part, they're trying to do that now that's easier than what they're going to have to do if they go, you know, nine and eight this year, going from nine and eight to 11 and six, right. And making that playoff leap. So, um, as far as their culture, I think that's still to be determined, but Burrow is obviously going to to set a tone and a, a standard, uh, for the Bengals and, and really for the organization. I, I think that's fair to say.
1: And I think that is certainly one of his strengths. He's a great leader. Like we've talked about a lot of, Very good documentation of guys really buying in to whatever it is that Burrow is selling them. The Weekend Mailbag marches on coming up next.
2: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's the Reds in the second half of the season as they try to make a pennant run, or maybe it's the NBA Finals. Will Chris Paul continue to freeze up on the big stage or... Are the Suns going to write the ship after two straight losses in the NBA Finals? I know you have an opinion on it. Well, you might as well make some money on that opinion, whether it's Giannis Attentacumpo, Chris Middleton, or the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Plus, you got MMA, you got UFC, you got NHL, all in one spot, betonline.ag. Get off. The sidelines get in on the action. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use promo code LOCKED ON, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that simple. Betonline.ag, promo code LOCKED ON, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: James, let's continue our weekend mailbag. This was actually a very popular question, at least popular enough that a few people tagged you and I specifically and said, yeah, do this one. And this comes from Brandon Kuhn at Crandon Boone on Twitter. You would like to know what we think the defensive line rotation will look like, specifically with interest about the third down defensive line rotation.
2: Wow. So that's interesting. One, I, I think you're going to see third downs mostly passing down, you would assume. You're going to see Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Now, I would hope that you're going to able to get one of these, you know, DJ Reader in on some of these. But some of them you're not. You're certainly not going to see much of Tyler Shelvin, right, unless it's a you know 3rd and one type thing against the Browns and you're assuming they're going to run it up the middle. So um, I, I think that you this is going to be the down really where Joseph Osai can make a big impact because he he comes in – I know a lot of people have deemed him kind of the Carl Lawson replacement because he's an elite athlete and all of those things. But to me, he's really – like he's good enough against the run and better than Lawson was entering the NFL – and I think you'll see him on the field a decent amount of these third downs, and you'll be able to hopefully see him make an impact as a pass rusher. Now, the interesting thing, Jake, is going to be, and they've mentioned it a little bit, right, Hendrickson on the inside and moving him around a bit, Hubbard, and, and so that's the part of it. If if you could get three of those guys on the field at once and really try to put some heat on the passer, that would uh, that would be good, but that's... Dependent on a lot of things, right? Hendrickson being effective, or, or Hubbard being effective in that role, Osai being effective from the jump, and, and that's part of it that's kind of TBD.
1: I think we're going to see something we don't expect here too. I, I don't. This is this has been something that I've struggled with with Louie Rumo in his entire time in Cincinnati. We've got a new defensive line coach. We could see different packages in terms of pass rushing on third down now. Duffner last year, Mark Duffner did a lot of the third down pressure package design. He returns and probably retains that role. But as you mentioned, there are a few more tools in the tool shed this year and I do think that they will try to find ways to maybe get Joseph Osai, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, Larry Ogunjobi and occasionally Cameron Sample all on the field. I think we'll see that package this year where all five of those guys are out there. And that means that somebody is dropping into coverage that you would rather see pass rush or you're you're sending five defensive linemen from time to time. But if you're going to have those five guys on the field, that means that you have to be ready to have one of them comfortable enough to go spot job and play some basic zone coverage. And that does start to get a little bit uncomfortable. Potentially, it also probably removes a linebacker from the field and I think we'll see some interesting personnel conversations. I think this are or, or combinations. I think this is a really good question because there are some more directions they could go, especially if they use Akeem Davis Gaither more as a blitzer this year. Maybe they don't go five defensive linemen, and then Davis Gaither is kind of in that overhang role that we talked about that he played back at Appalachian State. So I'm really interested to see how they start lining up in training camp, James. This is something that I'm going to ask you to pay attention to. I know you want to make sure you get your daily quota of Joe Burrow video, and and I look forward to that as well. But I think another interesting thing that we're going to have to watch for is when they do start going contact and start doing some 11-on-11 11 11 stuff, what are some of those packages we see on third down? Because I do think we could see some exotic, for lack of a better term, Fronts from this defense, and part of me worries that it might be overthinking it. It might be overdoing it, over compl- overcomplicating things, and and potentially moving guys out of places where they could be comfortable. Or it could be a beautiful chaotic cocktail of of uh, quarterback pressure. So that's what we'll hope for.
2: Man, that, that sounds good to me. A beautiful chaotic cocktail. Just stop there. But but see, I'm thinking of a, a drink, not a quarterback pressure, which would also be good and I know that would bring a smile to our listeners face next question comes from Alexander Ricker at Shanghai underscore kid 902 on a scale of one to ten how confident are you that Joe Mixon will take the majority of third down snaps this coming season
1: does this include my confidence that Joe Mixon will stay healthy do you think oh wow hold on what's your confidence meter one to ten that Mixon plays 14
2: or more games
1: well, I I just don't think it's in, it's in his control. Like to to me, for the most part, injuries in the NFL are random. Unless you have something that's truly chronic, I think injuries are random. And I think running backs get hurt often. And how many how many seasons has he played? 14 games in a season, James. He played 14 games in his first two years, and
2: he had some little knee issues. Remember, uh, so it's not like he was completely healthy, but played in 14 of each of his first two years, and then played in all 16 games in 2019. So his first three seasons. He played in all but four games. And then last year is when he really got in trouble.
1: He did have fewer touches in his first couple seasons. And and then he had a very full workload in 2019. And again, I, I don't really think injuries are within his control, right? It just happens for running back. So my confidence that Joe Mixon plays 14 plus games, I would say is probably like a six or a five, just because I think injuries are very random. Yeah, he's done it in 75%. Of of his year so far, which may make you think, oh, it's probably a 7.5, but I just think injuries are very random. So you factor that and you say maybe you say, okay, there is a 75% chance that that he that he stays healthy. And then beyond that, I would say he probably takes a majority of the snaps. Absolutely. I'm actually quite confident that if Joe Mixon is healthy, based on the other guys on the roster, unless like Chris Evans really blows people away, bursts onto the scene as a great pass blocker and a, an, ele- an electric receiver out of the backfield, which I, I don't think is fair to expect of a six round pick, by the way, uh, I, I think it will be Joe Mixon on a majority of third downs. A majority isn't that hard to do. That's just 51%. Sure. And I think
2: one, that needs to be the expectation. It 100% the standard for Mixon. Like I, I said it on a, on a few shows ago, This is going to decide where he is. Our last show, when we were talking about the rankings. And so if he's going to be this high-end superstar-type running back, you're going to have to be in on third downs. You're going to have to catch passes. You're going to have to show that explosion. And you're going to have to pass block. And with Evans, yeah, I I think the pass blocking is a question mark. I don't really doubt just watching him run routes and stuff. I think he can be explosive from a a pass-catching standpoint right away. But you're really not getting on the field on third downs. You're certainly not taking Joe Mixon off the field on third downs unless you can be a high-end pass blocker. So I think Mixon should be in. It will come down to health. I think he'll stay pretty healthy. I think this is going to be one of those years, I don't know, I got a feeling. Maybe maybe that'll change during training camp. I think this is going to be one of those years where we look back on and Mixon has a, a pretty big one. And that has to do with uh, his pass catching as, as much as anything. I think they're going to use him in in the passing game a little bit more this season.
1: Goes back to my conversation with Hayden Winks when we did the Bengals fantasy football preview. You can go back and listen to that. I talked to Hayden Wings for a whole episode about the Bengals in terms of their fantasy football outlook. Joe Mixon is a guy he's very high on from an opportunity perspective and a comeback perspective, really. And the fit for him in this offense could lead to a lot of productivity. Coming up next, James, let's wrap up the mailbag with a few more questions.
2: Today's episode of Locked on Bengals brought to you by Rock Auto Com. And look, I've used Rock Auto. You hear me talk about them all the time. It's convenient. It's fast. Plus, you save money. This is what you need to do if you're trying to maintain your car, keep your car on the road. I say it this all the time as well. There's nothing worse than unreliable transportation. Keep it reliable. And one thing that is reliable is rockauto.com. Don't spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store. It doesn't matter if you need a full fuel pump or just air filters. They got you covered at rockauto.com. So go there right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet for a reason. I love them because They taste amazing, they're covered in 100% chocolate. They have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. But you know the best part? The best part is the macros. High in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, perfect for you, so look, it's summer, you wanna look good, well, you wanna feel good too. Built Bar can help you do that, whether it's a pre-workout snack, maybe a post-workout protein punch, maybe it's just midday. At the office, because a lot of people back in the office, Built Bar is the perfect healthy snack, and you need to try them. I got my friends on these. Jake's on them. I'm on them. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Check them out. And when you go to order that first purchase, make sure you use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off that first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
1: James, as we conclude our mailbag this week, this is a name that I don't recall having seen in our mailbag bunch of questions before. This is Jim at The Gag. What do you think? a ge- I actually you know what I don't want to know what a gag is. He wants to know, what is your favorite Bengals moment that you've watched happen live, either on TV or in attendance? It could be something that happened during a game. It could even be something that happened outside of a game for him. It was when they were up 13 to six on the Patriots in October, 2013, and it started pouring rain. And I remember this very vividly. This is a good one. Uh, Tom Brady 12 tried to have that comeback drive going in, in that. Uh, did I just say Tom Brady 12? You
2: you did TB 12. You subscribe to the TB 12 method, Jake. Man. I love it.
1: I, I was reading, I was reading the tweet and I said, Tom Brady 12. instead said it's TB 12 or Tom Brady. Anyway, he starts his drive and throws an interception to Pac-Man to ice the game. Yeah. I remember that game really vividly James, because it was like nature was on the Bengal side. Like it was, <laughs> it was rainy, but it was, uh, an absolute downpour when the Patriots had one last chance to come back. I remember that one very well.
2: Yeah, me too. And they, you know, they go down the field and it's like, Oh my gosh. And you know, they were uh, able to pull that one out. That's a big one. Um, To me, I'd I'd have to go back farther, and and there are two. I'll I'll do one in-game and then one on TV. The one in-game would be I I was at this game, and I didn't go to many games as a kid. Uh, I can count the times on one hand. I think probably two or three. Uh, I went to a Titans game with my mom before Paul Brown Stadium was there, and then I went to the Corey Dillon record game the 278 yards with my dad and he got tickets. I somehow he won them from work or something, but we, it's not like we went to games regularly and uh, we're sitting on the 50 yard line, like 15 rows up. I mean, amazing seats and Corey Dillon, you're thinking they're going to lose to the Broncos and Corey Dillon just goes off. And you know, I'm like nine or 10 years old and it was just such a fun game to be at. And now half of Cincinnati says they were at that game, but I really was at that game. So that, that was the, the one in person. The one on on TV that I'll name is the clincher at, uh, in 2005. The first time the Bengals went to the playoffs, they go to Detroit. They just crush the Lions, and you see all these Lions fans with bags on their head, and it's like, man, that was the Bengals for my literally entire life. They were awful in the 90s, and uh, and it looks like they're they're going to be really really good. And that was such a fun season until the end, and that uh, that game was just such a you know icing on top of the cake so to speak uh, because it was um, it, it was the battle of Detroit versus Cincinnati they had both been bad for so long and the Bengals went up there and handled business and clinched the division
1: i don't actually have a great in season moment james or or in person moment because it's been so long since i lived in cincinnati but my mine is also a clincher and it goes back to 2012 And I'm sure there are some great Carson Palmer moments, some great Chad Johnson moments, because there there were many. But I was in Florida visiting my parents, who like to go down there in the winter. And we were watching the Bengals play the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And everyone around me is like, oh, here we go. The Bengals are going to blow it again. They were winning 10-0 in the second quarter. Pittsburgh comes back. Uh, scores a touchdown at the end of the first half they get a field goal in the third quarter and it looks like they're driving it's a tie game they're driving in the fourth quarter and and then I think it's Reggie Nelson intercepts Ben Roethlisberger late in the game I believe like with 20 seconds left in the game or so then Andy Dalton finds AJ Green for about 21 yards and Keenan Lewis's coverage down into Pittsburgh territory they get one play on offense And they get into field goal range just like that. They get an interception with 20 seconds left, one complete pass. And then Josh Brown, of all people, (laughs) comes out and hits a game-winning field goal. He had missed one earlier in the game, didn't miss that one. It knocks the Steelers out of the playoffs. It clinched a playoff spot for the Bengals. They would go on to beat the Ravens the next week. They ended up as a wild-card team anyway. But... That one was great for me because everyone around me was was naysaying. And I was like, come on, let's let the game happen. Let's, And it was driving me crazy. It was it was driving me nuts. And, and they ended up winning the game, which uh, I felt very vindicated, for one, because everyone around me was being very negative. And also, it was just very fun to knock the Steelers out at the same time that they clinched a playoff spot.
2: Ah, talk of the playoffs. Hopefully, we can get back to that soon, Jake, because those... Those were the days, right? Hopefully there are more days coming. Last question of today's mailbag. John C. Allison 4 on Twitter says, people are upset at Reds ownership for lack of committing to improving on the roster. It made me think, how would you rank Bengals and Reds ownership groups right this second? And he makes a note, not in the past, right this second, Jake. Jake.
1: I think that there are plenty of reasons to not be impressed with Reds ownership. But I mean, where's Jeff Carr, by the way, host of On Reds, when we need him <laughs> to, to address questions about the Reds? Because I don't pay as much attention to the Reds as I used to. I do know that their bullpen is maybe the worst or second worst bullpen in baseball. And they have, you know, above average offense, above average starting pitching. And if they could get to above-average bullpen, they would probably be leading the NL Central. But the NL is just so stacked this year with the Padres and the Dodgers really leading the way in the NL West that I don't know if it would matter. But that kind of gets away from the question of the, the Reds' ownership this year, You know, sending Rysel Iglesias off for literally no return at this point. Nothing is left to show for that trade and a salary dump move and they have really cobbled together this poor bullpen. And, you know, you could say, Oh, but they're, they went and got Castellanos and they, you know, they made the trades to try to get into the playoffs and they made a push and it's just like, yeah, but th- th- it's just, it's never enough. It's never, it's never going all in. And, and there's this, there's this, issue with sports owners where, and I, I sort of get it, but I also sort of don't because they, they don't like to operate at a loss. The owners of, of professional sports teams don't like to take a loss in, an, in a given year in, in terms of revenue, in terms of profit. But at the same time, Bob Castellini bought this team for some hundreds of millions of dollars amount, low hundreds of millions of dollars, which is a crazy amount of money. When he bought the team all those years ago, and and now he could turn around and probably sell it for a billion, if not more, or close to a billion dollars, and so when you think about it that way, you think about the fact that you know he should have income outside of the Reds. The Reds should not be his sole source of income. Very few professional sports owners, maybe the Brown family aside, have alternate sources of income, which is a reason they're able to buy that team in the first place. Um. It just seems like when you have the collection of talent that you do and you're close, you would just push a little bit harder, especially when nobody else in the division really did anything in the offseason. I think there are very valid reasons to have major issues with Reds ownership this year. That said, the Brown family hasn't necessarily done a ton to deserve the benefit of the doubt. They seem to be turning over a new leaf and the biggest part of that is Elizabeth Blackburn. To her credit, she has made this PR push that we've talked about a ton, and it's been very successful. So I want to credit her for that, credit the family for what they're doing to engage the fans. But, I mean, this question, I don't think we can really answer for another three months or so until we see, did they get it right? Are are they actually winning football games now? And then, you know, I I know that's a little results-oriented, but I honestly, the, the... the approach, the, the method they've used to get to this point, they're spending money in free agency, but it's not the way I would do it. So, you know, some good, some bad there. I honestly think this is very close, James, and, and those are kind of my thoughts on both sides of it.
2: Here's what the Reds did. The Reds told their fans we're going to be good five years from now for a year, literally 2014. And they were bad and they were bad and they were bad. And ownership was willing to spend and they were building right and they were willing to to really make a push. And then they did it. And then because he took one loss because of covid where you couldn't have fans, he he got scared and got worried. And now he wants fans to be all in on the Reds. I don't think the Reds are going anywhere this year. And I know it's been fun. And, you know, Jesse Winker's impressed. And that's been great to see him go to the All-Star game. And the bullpen's been better. And Castellanos is so much fun. And he's got swagger. And you know what? What the Reds are doing this year is exactly what I hope to God the Bengals don't do in a year or two when they start to get good. Because like I said earlier in the show, is as hard as it is to go from bad to good, it's so much harder to go from good to World, World Series contender or good to Super Bowl contender. And, and so when the Bengals get there and they didn't do this in 2013, 2014, 2015, like they should have. When you need to make that extra move, you need to make a couple trades. They better do it And the Reds. Not only did they not do that this offseason, they subtracted. And that's BS. I mean, I I, I haven't. Uh, Listen to every episode of Locked on Reds, but I'm confident Jeff Carr probably feels the same way, even though I know Reds fans are excited about this. So really we'll we'll see. I think the Bengals kind of fumbled it literally before Jeremy Hill fumbled it when they, you know, they didn't make necessary additions in that window from 13 to 15, because I think that was kind of their window. And uh, and so they're going to get another shot here, I think, and I'm confident in saying over the next three to four years, and we'll see if that happens. But uh, yeah, the Reds, they got it wrong. So when you compare ownership, you, you can't... When it, when the going gets tough, you got to keep pushing through it. And the Reds bailed real quick after years of rebuilding. And you can't do that. And I think it's unfair to fans to do that. And uh, I, I don't know if the Bengals will do that or not. I, I certainly hope not. Because I think with Joe Burrow, you, you're going to have a shot here over the next couple of years to make some noise.
1: Yeah. But you've seen complacency from both ownership groups, right? And, and that's really been the Cardinals' sin. you, you got to... It's it's relentless. These these leagues are so competitive and everybody is trying everything they can to get to the top. And when you're not doing that, it really stands out. And so the Bengals have another opportunity to do that in the Joe Burrow era. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Next up on Sunday night, we'll drop an episode. I'm going to be joined again by Bengals Sands. We're going to talk a little big man. We're going to talk a little dj reader if you want to get ready for that one go check out his piece on dj reader the film breakdown at dot and until next time bengals fans who day and have a good one
0: hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today